0: Welcome to the Sunday session on NRL.com. Round 14 is almost done, but not quite. My name is Chris Kennedy. I'm joined, as always, by Kenny Scott. Kenny, thank you for being here.
1: Thank you, too, CK.
0: It's my very great uh, pleasure and privilege to welcome back to the show former Jillaroo's captain, now Channel 9 commentator, Rowan Sims. Ru, thank you for being here.
2: Thanks, Chris and Kenny. Good to see you
0: guys again. Yeah, good to see you again. It's been a pretty exciting weekend of footy all up. Um, would usually go backwards through the eight games from where we are, but I'm going to have to break with protocol a little bit and talk about Origin at the top of the show, um, partly because it was such an amazing win by the Blues and partly because your little bro had quite the uh, quite the evening up there in uh, in Townsville. You must be a, a proud sister.
2: He sure did, and I am. Like I think... It was so good to see the entire team play as well as they did. But it was so special to see Tarek perform in that game because I was actually down at his place with my mum and my dad and uh, my grandma. So all of us were there watching the game together. And uh, it was just wonderful to see him out there and just performing on such a big stage. And, you know, not just in attack, but defensively, I thought he was really strong too, as was one to 17. I mean, it was just such a complete performance from the Blues Mm. and speaking to Freddie, he was so excited by what uh, the team put together and how everybody in his words, put their egos in their pockets and did what was best for the team. And I thought that was, you know, probably a real testament to why the result was as good as it was for the Blues fans, not, not yeah. for Queensland. Well, <laughs> if they get their
0: chance to bounce back, they've won plenty in the last 10 yeah, or 15 yeah. years. I'm not feeling too sorry for them just yet. I was going to ask um, on Freddie. We've seen he's really good with the media. He always speaks to, to journalists. He works for Channel 9. So we get to see his public opinion. But you, you were in the studio with him today. You would have had a chance to chat with him off camera. Did you just get the sense that he was you know pretty you know pretty content pretty you know even though there's still a job to do pretty happy with with what's been achieved so far
2: i think he was very happy with the learnings that they got from last year to this year and how they applied them and how they went out there and executed them as a team so i think he was really happy with back of house uh, how they bounced back but then also how the team went out there and executed what their game plan was and, and like I said put their egos to the side and did things that needed to be done for the betterment of, of the team and uh, you know that was the impression that that I got from him as well and he is great with the media and one thing I love uh, that he said today was that he says to every single player enjoy the media attention go out there like soak it up because you know this could be the only time you ever get that opportunity so he doesn't shy away from from doing those media interviews and he encourages his players to do the same
0: and just on Tarek, I think he's a guy we can probably all agree would have played more origin if he didn't pick up some serious injuries yeah. at the wrong times in his career. We saw, you know, the the broken legs back at the Cowboys. He's obviously done it really tough through the, you know, the middle part of his career. So to see him out there throwing a pass that I honestly, with the greatest respect, did not know he had in his kit bag. Um, and plus the, you know, the defensive pressure he was able to apply to, to the opposition edges. Um, yeah, he, he had a whale of a game.
2: Yeah, he absolutely did. And, you know, he used to throw those kinds of passes in the backyard. Never <laughs> He never skipped me, of course, I was too quick. <laughs> but no, he was. it was wonderful to see him, like you said, just get that opportunity a couple of years ago for the first time. And it was, it was so good then. But then to see him be selected as a starting second rower and mm. then to put that performance out there on the back of it, because he did, there was a lot of criticism out there that he probably didn't deserve to be picked, which obviously being his sister, I disagree with. But mm. <laughs> uh, I think that he just showed why Freddie picked him and he went out there and did his job.
0: Yeah, he was um, in a very, very strong team performance. I thought he was uh, still managed to be a standout. It was a wonderful effort from here. Anyway, let's talk about some uh, NRL action because there's plenty to get through. We've just seen the dust settle on a very spicy clash between the Eels and the Tigers really flared up in the second half it was a, um, a bit of an arm wrestle for a while before the Eels ran away with it. What did you make of this one?
2: Well, I honestly, I thought going into halftime that Maguire would be so happy only being behind by the small amount of points that he was, because the majority of possession in that first half, I think the Eels had 67 or 68% possession in that 40 minutes. So to even be able to score a try right before halftime, I thought that would have been a really good sign uh, for Maguire. And obviously, like the Sinbins played a huge part in both sides being able to score points. Uh, And obviously, you know, the Eels just had the better of it there. But, you know, that period after halftime, we see it all the time in every game. That is a crucial period. And the Eels just took full advantage of that. And unfortunately for the Tigers, they didn't have enough left in uh, in the tank to be able to get the job done, even though they had an opportunity where the Eels played only 60 minutes of the game with their full complement of
1: players.
0: Mm. Kenny, you're a resident, long-suffering um, Tigers fan. <laughs> just give us your emotions watching this one pan out. I, it was it was a
1: tough one to watch because the, like the Tigers just have had this shocking run of games against the Eels. I, th- I think that's the eighth loss in a row to Parramatta for the Tigers, and um, you know with recent player transfers and stuff like that, there was come kind of a little bit of spice. But as Ruth said, it was that that first half was just relentless Parramatta. Like I don't know how the Tigers. Like withstood it to the point that they did to only let in um, fourteen points, and I think they got really, really lucky with one of the more hilarious moments of the season. With you know, Mitch Moses about to score under the post to make a <laughs> potentially twenty nil after a conversion, only to have a called back because he dropped it just before he hit the ground. And then you know, to march up the field and score a try before halftime was was great, but it was it was a false dawn because just after that forty minutes of sustained, it was it was just it was it was like a I don't know how to describe it. Like it just it was it was relentless. Um, you can tell that they would have been gassed,
2: yeah, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, and it seemed like it was really fast as well, like faster than most of the games we've seen this round. And it just Parramatta just didn't stop, and that, sh- that says a lot to the, like to their fitness and I guess to their game plan, which was probably just to run the Tigers yeah. ragged, which is what they did. Then come the second half, we saw it right at the beginning. They just they, they just ran out of gas, and and when um, Parramatta got on a roll, they couldn't contain it.
0: I'm just trying to look at um, the list of everyone who's on report for the eels in particular, but also the tigers. I think both halfbacks, Mitch Moses and Lou Brooks, are on report. Mike Casivo was sin bin for that swinging arm on Dewey. We have to think he's probably going to miss at least a, a little bit of game time. Isaiah Papali'i sin bin at the end for for dropping the knee on Luciano Lealua. It was um, you know a lot of this sort of stuff happened. Uh, Stefano Utekamano on report in the very last minute, um, as was the Brooks ones. A lot of this stuff happened when the result was sort of beyond doubt, but the, um, the frustrations were, were boiling over it could be costly for I mean more so the Eels but both teams in the next couple of weeks uh, just this lack of discipline
2: mm, yeah well, look, as the game gets quicker and as it progresses the way it does discipline is well, it always has been a, a foundation stone but it's going to become even more so as this year progresses on and especially towards finals time so and I think some of the best teams are the best because they ensure that their discipline is on point I think with uh, not long to go, there was already 12 penalties and 12 set restarts in a very short period of time. Yeah. So, you know that that speaks to that discipline factor. And I think you know if you can get on top of that, that's half your battle when you get towards the pointy end of the season.
0: Anyway, it's um, you know certainly an entertaining game. We'll look uh, back to the previous or the earlier Sunday game. I should say 42 points to 16, the Storm uh, runaway winners over the Warriors. I think that's the Storm's ninth score of 40 plus this year they're, they're scoring more points even than the, the Panthers who've been so good this year. They're just unstoppable. We've seen, you know, they're, they're still missing players, you know, Ryan Pappenhausen's still out, you know, Kenny Bromwich, they lost Christian Welch due to the HA in origin, but um, just every week that the players that come in, you know, Tom Eisenhuth was a standout today. They just seem to keep doing it. Um, the storm. They certainly
2: do. And, you know, it's just the, the beauty of their system is that everybody understands what their role is. And if they have to play a role that they're not usually familiar with, or it's not their usual position, they can still go out there and execute it. And it is just phenomenal. And even around origin time, they're not a side that really falls apart. They have really good depth. Their structure is sound. Their defensive structure is sound. And again, discipline is a big thing for them. So you know, it was, it wasn't all their way. That first 20 minutes or so, the Warriors were really pushing. They were pushing them for that game. And you know, and even just to finish it off, I mean, Ken Mamalo a hat trick mm. in his very last game. He scored two hat tricks in his career and both of them were against the storm, which was pretty wow. incredible. And to see the scenes afterwards, obviously it was, it was a very a good performance by the storm, but just to see the emotion in the face of Ken Mamalo on his last game and to see his teammates around him as well. I think uh, that was, yeah, that was, I got a little bit, you know, choked up just watching it because you know it is uh, would be a very difficult thing to do leaving a team that you've been with for such a long time mm. in the middle of the season
0: absolutely well kenny um ken momalo is a friend of this podcast he was on um earlier this year as a as a tigers fan um you must be happy that um, you know the the signing um a big sort of you know talented athletic winger who's good in the air and strong out of yardage. Um, you know, we saw the press release a couple of days ago, released effective immediately, and then he's recalled back into the Warriors team, I guess, for a little bit of a, a swan song and, and goes out with a hat trick.
1: Yeah, I, I was really confused when I saw him pop up on the team list an hour before kickoff. I, di- I didn't really understand why, why he was there, but obviously um, he's still contracted to the Warriors for one last game. But I think as a as a Tigers fan, it's he's, he's a great signing because we've always been missing a, um, a, a big... A big, tough winger that's a good finisher. Like we've got, like Noflum is an, an, a great specialist winger, but we've always the other wing has always been a work in progress without like someone who's who's, who's owned it. Um, hopefully, that's what he'll bring to the team. Um, but just on his um the, the scenes at the end of the game, I thought was just every now and then there's there's a moment in in the NRL that sort of makes you realise you know what it stands for and what it means to people and the things that sit outside of the game like like friendship and and bonds and and family and all that sort of stuff. And I, I think it seemed to me that he was quite surprised that it was having this effect on him i don't think he was prepared or maybe he hadn't realized the like the old emotion hit him at once that well wow, that's the end of my ride here um and it was yeah it was you know like it, you know i could feel it in the back of my throat right it was a really emotional scene and um yeah. i thought it was just it was just it was great you know it's great and heartbreaking at the same time mm, well, it, Also,
2: he would have been said his goodbyes last week not Knowing that he was going to be playing today, so
1: mm.
2: you know, like when you when you play and you have all of that pent up emotion, and then you just exert yourself physically to the point of exhaustion, it all just hits you at once, and you could just see that on his face. Like he probably mm. thought he already said his goodbyes and had everything sorted, but it just you know it just creeps up on you when you're that exhausted after. Yeah, a- you,
1: you, you could tell it was it was real, like and raw, because the way he was he was trying to hide his face and he and the team was trying to shield him as well because they could tell it was it was just raw emotion it wasn't um it wasn't like a tearful goodbye this was
0: yeah, yeah this was real
1: life happening and it was um it was yeah
0: also a shocking piece of news out of this one for the Warriors with halfback Chanel Harris-Tavita, a suspected ruptured peck. Um, if confirmed, that's three months on the sideline and um, they would have to make the finals for him to play again this year if that is confirmed. So uh, shocking news uh, for poor Chanel Harris-Tavita, who's a, a great young player and absolutely rattled Brandon Smith with a, a huge shot. I was just uh, about to, to say, he might be probably
2: one of the shots of the year, Chris, on yeah. a big guy himself.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, So, uh, yeah, huge loss for them. They do get Reese Walsh back from a a one-week suspension um, next week. So I don't know if he goes straight into the the number six or or whatever it is. But, yeah, definitely a loss. Anyway, looking back to uh, Saturday night, the Raiders – 38 points to 16 winners down in the nation's capital against the Broncos. Um, Ruan, I guess the you know those second half woes certainly weren't an issue for them on, on this occasion. they made a few little more changes. Bailey Simonson went back to fullback and had a, a really good game. Josh Papali'i back with a point to prove from his suspension after missing Origin 1. He was absolutely mighty through the middle for them as well.
2: He absolutely was. And I also thought that Josh Whiten backing up from Origin and Josh, um, Josh Whiten
0: Jack White. Uh-huh.
2: I was combining the two. Could you imagine that as a footballer? Oh, <laughs> <Funny accent. laughs> uh, no, I thought uh, Jack Whiteon was great backing up from Origin and Josh Hodgson provided mm. some really great service and some, some excellent decision making close to the line and taking a little bit of that pressure off of Jack White to come up with every single play and also allowing young Sam Williams to be able to play his natural game and not have to overplay his hand. And, but it was great to see Sam Williams getting some good opportunity there at the Raiders. Uh, he played junior kangaroos with my brother, Tarek. And man. I, uh, we, my mum and I went over to New Zealand and spent some time with his mum and sister over there too. And oh, wow. They were a fantastic family and he's a fantastic young man and a good solid player as well. So yeah, you know, I was, Ricky was not um, getting carried away with the win, he said it was just that teaspoon of medicine that they needed to be able to kick on for the rest of the year, but he also understands there's a lot of work yet to do, but the signs were very, very encouraging there, yeah, those Mm -hmm. second half woes that we've been speaking about, uh, you know, definitely seem to be reducing
0: yeah, I, um, I've said on this podcast previously that Sam Williams would have to be in the conversation for the best bloke in rugby league, which is a, a big call oh. to make. But um, he's an absolute champion fella. Um, just on the um, the Broncos, Kenny, it's uh, just sort of seemed to be lurching from disaster to disaster and, and not finding that that you know, uptick in form that they're looking for. Their, what was it? Their seventh, eighth halves combination of the year, Carmichael Hunt, his first game in the NRL since 2009. It's almost a different sport to last time he played for the uh, the Broncos. Um, yeah, not really getting any closer to a solution though. Could, could you imagine
1: what, it, what would have been going through Carmichael Hunt's head as this game was happening around him? Going like, like, hold on a second. Why is this game so fast? What, how come it never stops? And why yeah. are the Broncos so bad? This, how, <laughs> this is how things were like... When, when I left, it was always going to be tough for him. I don't think he had a um, he he didn't embarrass himself by any means. No, but he's he also was the a, problem. a bit, but... bit of work to do. No, no, he wasn't the problem. Yeah. I thought really like Payne Haas stood up because he's a he's a big guy that big enforcer for that team. And when when he wasn't on the field, like they were when he was on the field, it was still very dicey. But when he was when when he was off, you could really really tell that that affected the, the, the Broncos and they yeah they they didn't they didn't um, cope well. I, I really. We've been asking this question all year. Like, I don't know what they do. I guess they wait for Reynolds next year. Um, you know, uh, CK, you've called out that they're probably going to get dufty um, and, you know, just see see who's, who they can build that around. I mean, it's, it's just going to be a tough season and that's mm-hmm. the way it goes.
0: Stum, no guarantees that Dufty ends up there either, but they uh, they certainly need to find something. Um, anyway, the, the earlier Saturday game, Rabidos 24-10 winners over the Knights. Uh, Ruan, probably not the most convincing win of the, the Rabideaux season to date, but with a bunch of origin players, I think Gagai, Arrow, Cook and Murray all rested and then a couple more in Luttrell and, and Jaden Sewer backing up. They, they did what they needed to do.
2: They certainly did. And I think that uh, Wayne will be very, very happy with the defensive effort. Like it's something I'm sure that they've focused on and would be much happier with the defensive efforts they put on because they've, you know, given away a couple of really big score lines, and, you know, you can't win this competition if you do that consistently. So he knew that that was an area that needed to be fixed up. And I thought they applied themselves very well into that situation. Latrell Mitchell backing up from origin Mm. I thought that was a huge effort well he was massive on Wednesday night for New South Wales to have that kind of an impact on Wednesday and to back up three not even three days later and and have a similar impact obviously you could tell that he was a little bit heavier in the legs but he still came up with some really big plays when they needed it and you know there's been a lot of discussion around his maturity and whatever else uh, becoming more mature and playing a more mature style of football but I think he just looks like he's enjoying himself. Mm. He just looks like he's back loving his footy. And that's when I think players play their best.
0: Yeah. You could see when that final siren went, just how gassed he was. Like he did not have (laughs) anything left to give. He was really just, he he left it all out on the field, which is what you want from your your champion players. Um, Newcastle though, Kenny, it's um, probably some reinforcements back next week. They're talking about Pierce, Clemmer, Ponger, um, you know, potentially high more hunts some some guys coming back but um, seasons getting away from them as well.
1: Yeah, you can. They definitely are missing those those big names from that team. And I think going into this into this game, I heard on the TV commentary that has said the the plan is to bore bore South Sydney um, and play you know real basic bread and butter style football. Completion rates, get to the kicks, try and find a repeat set, like just grind them away. And I can't help but think if. That that was the choice, that was the the option because that was their only option. They were missing all their like flamboyance um and their and their um and their strategy with Pierce and Ponga both out. It was like it was a, a decent game for a while for them, but I think, and they probably would have won had South if South just have such a slick back line, and that's what it was, because they were like I think the rest of the team were, were kind of off their game. Like the South's board pack weren't as dominant as they normally were. You can tell they were missing a few. Um, a few of those regular names um, and yeah, if it wasn't for the brilliance of say like Latrell and, um, and Alex Johnson and those people, then it, it might've gone the other way, but it's just, um, yeah, if things are really, time is getting getting away from Newcastle and um, I don't really know how they're going to turn around. because That was uh, probably their best chance. I think they've got a, pretty, a, a bit of a tough run um, coming up. So um, yeah, it doesn't get any easier.
0: Yeah, it's um, a good result for South who are well and truly ensconced in that uh, top four. They dropped back to fourth after the Eels win, but uh, Knight's now down in 14th, so uh, really time counting against them. Anyway, the earlier Saturday game, Ruan, I don't even know how to talk about what I've seen in this okay. one. 35-34, to 34, it finished up to the Roosters over the Titans. It was almost like two separate games happened. There was a, the flogging that the Roosters dished out to the Titans, and there was this phenomenal comeback, and then there was this sort of last stanza where it was tense and close, and finally a, a eighteen year old future superstar stands up and drills a, a match winning field goal. It just had absolutely everything this game.
2: It absolutely it certainly did. It was like a real life drama just being played out <laughs> in front of our eyes. Like, you know, the uh, and again with the comeback from the Titans, if they'd made this a complete comeback where they'd come away with the win, it would have been, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, the biggest comeback in NRL history. Like and that's the record's twenty
0: six, yeah.
2: Yeah. So it would have been the biggest comeback for them. And, you know, it was just you know, the Roosters were so clinical in that first half. And then, again, the Sinbin really played a huge role because I think it was three tries were scored in that 10-minute mm. period, which really got the Titans back on that front foot. And then Sam, um, Sam Walker going off with that shoulder injury. And it wasn't his bad shoulder. It was his good shoulder. Yeah. So he went off with that injury, came back on because it got very close. Uh, you know, the Roosters got themselves, you know, back neck and neck. And he had the opportunity to ice it with the kick from the sideline, which he missed. But the resilience of that young player to be able to stand up a few minutes later and say, give me the ball, I'm going to ice this, mm. and then kicks first ever field goal in NRL. Like that was just incredible. And, and Jared Warrior Hargraves was huge through mm. the middle for the rest. another 80 minute performance. And I think he also uh, took that run in the lead up to the field goal. Yeah. for Seth Walker. So you can just see you know, the impact that he has and how much he relishes being that captain when uh, Teddy's not there. But he does it when he's there anyway, but mm. you can just see, especially on his 250th game, sometimes yeah. players get a bit lost in the moment, but not Jared. He just yeah. steps up and knocks it out
0: of the park. I was about to say it was his milestone game as well. He, he lost his front row partner, Siwa Taukiaho, ruled out from the the game. So took it on himself. He played the full 80 in the middle. And even, you know, his numbers are great in terms of his metres and his carries and his minutes. But even that doesn't capture just that, you know, the, the impact that he brought through the middle. They're just... Smashing into the line with every carry, and just the the leadership that he brought uh, around. It was a wonderful front rowers performance um, from him. Kenny, having a look at the uh, the Titans, they were they were pretty awful when they were they were losing this one, and then they're just you know one of those teams that can kind of catch fire when it goes well for them. But um, as Ruan already said, quite a few of those points came against a twelve man defensive line. The fact that you know for feeders backing up from Origin, and he was sitting on the bench watching things get worse and worse against the Roosters, probably a question to be asked about whether he and Tino could have come into the fray um, a little bit earlier and Titans, you know, once again, have put on a huge score and still lost a game.
1: As a Titans fan or even as a Titans player, which just make you think, what if? It shows that they've got – that they're capable of doing it. They've got the talent. They've got the, they've got the the skill and all that sort of stuff. They just wait until it's far too late to, 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 turn, to turn it on because the first – like the last 20 minutes of the first half, I think all the possessions seemed to be with the Titans. And it's just like they didn't really know what they were supposed to be doing with it. Like it was just, it was crash plays. There was no continued applied pressure. Um, they managed to score towards the end, basically just through the sheer weight of possession. It was, you know, it's disappointing from them considering they managed to pile on like 75 tries in three seconds later on. Um but enough of what I think, I actually really want to know, CK, as a journalist, as the poor sort who, who would have had to write the match report for this game, I don't think it was you, but how do you, how would you get, take that and condense, condense it into 500 words? It just seemed impossible.
0: We actually had um Todd Ballum up there um covering it for us and we've got the um we use Slack for Communicator at work and you sort of the, the journalist post in there when they filed their yarns and he, he filed like basically here's my match report, I've done my best kind of thing. I I um yeah I don't know how it's just one of those fly by the seat of your pants sort of things like especially a game like this he would have had you know his headline and his lead par's already done you know roosters far too good for titans runaway winners on the blah blah, blah and had you know two thirds of the match report done and then Titans starts scoring some tries and you delete a few pars, you write a few more pars, they score some <laughs> more and you're like I'm gonna have to delete this whole thing and start again and you're basically writing a whole match report you know after full time which I've had to do um already this year and it's um yeah it's not fun but you kind of you do your best and the poor subs back in the office have to to tidy it up and then you um you hope for an easier game which is what i had it um the newly rebranded Four Pines Park on uh, Friday evening when the, the Manly Seagulls oh, yeah. absolutely thrashed the Cowboys. They had that match report done pretty much uh, two, you know halfway through the uh, the second half. But before we talk about that one we have to talk about the Sharks and the Panthers uh, Ruan. I, I actually didn't catch this live because I was in the, the Manly Sheds um, from the, the previous game but 19 points to 18 it finished up. Um, I was checking the score in the, the Manly Sheds and I saw 18-0 I'm like oh Panthers are going to fold again with all their Origin players out and then um, didn't Quite pan out the same as the previous one against the West Tigers.
2: No, it was uh, well, you know the old cliche, a game of two halves. It's
1: true, <laughs> I've it's, heard of it. Yeah, it's
2: <laughs> absolutely true in this one, and I feel like we throw it out all the time. But in this game, it was completely it just described everything. So the first half, the Sharks were indomitable they just moved the ball around beautifully they got a lot of second phase play working their forwards worked really hard off the back of it their backs were moving it laterally side to side really testing the panthers edge defense with their origin players away that's been a real struggling point for them and then obviously putting a lot of pressure on the young halves combination in May and Burton and just forcing a lot of errors from them so and they took full advantage of it did the sharks And then the Panthers mounted a massive comeback in the second half. And with two minutes to go, well, it was the second last set of six. They had an opportunity to get that win. They shifted the ball to their left edge. They were sprinting down a nice short side play. Crichton has thrown a lovely little soft like pop pass to the winger. But the winger was 50 metres back. Jennings, he was getting treatment for an injury. And so they missed that opportunity to ice that game. And I think that, you know, that that would have been it. That would have been game over. But then the Sharks, to their credit, Sean Johnson made a great break, break down the middle of the field. And then two plays later, takes that opportunity for the field goal and you know it was an ugly kick but it doesn't matter mm. how it looks they're still worth the same amount of points so he gets that one pointer uh and gets the win for the sharks and mm. you know we interviewed him after the game on on air and uh he is just one of the most humble blokes and uh you know we just sort of said you know there's any clubs out there that need a halfback mm. hit me up I'm available, so yeah. yeah, I think after that performance, there'll be clubs that are definitely wanting to put their hand up for his services.
0: Yeah, I think Sean Johnson is one of those guys who every time I speak to him, you come away just knowing more about rugby league than I did before. He's such an eloquent speaker and a, a humble guy. He's not, you know, brash and full of bravado, but he's he really thinks a lot more deeply about the game, I think, than most people give him credit for. And as you say, be a, an amazing pick up for, for someone next year because he's got a lot of really good footy left in him.
2: Yeah, he absolutely does, and he took that opportunity uh, in recent times as well to put pay to uh, some of the rumours swilling around that he was asking for nine hundred thousand a season. Mm. It's definitely not that at all. He said, "Look, if anyone offered it to me, I would definitely take it, but I'm of not course. out there saying this is what I want." But uh, he's saying that he just wants to keep playing footy, and you know, Friday night showed that he's still got a lot to offer a club
0: anyway um, it, another important win for the, the Sharks who probably uh, were they up to ninth now on the ladder I thought they were well and truly out of it once they fell in a heap after um, you know John Morris was was sacked but they've they found a little bit of, of mojo they've strung a couple of games uh, decent performances together and now are pressing for a chance to to play for finals this year which is pretty remarkable um, Earlier Friday game, first game of the round, Seagulls 50 points to 18 um, over the Cowboys. Kenny, I'll start with you. The Cowboys, um, Scott Drinkwater throwing some lovely passes and kicks out to a really early 12-0 lead. Did they just, they they assumed they were going to just keep rolling on without having to work for it or?
1: Yeah, well, I think them and everybody else. After twelve nil, I had a whole list of like witty, sarcastic one-liners about how manly only are like one-man team, and they got <laughs> like they have they have three Trebiovic's and they played the wrong two, and they left you know, all that sort of stuff. Like I was. You know, I thought I was so hilarious, and then out of out of nowhere, for the rest of the game, basically, it, it was all manly. And I think, like thinking back, I, I think there are uh, probably a lot of um, anecdotal examples where it, it tries to just come too easily at the beginning, and a team just falls away completely when it starts getting a little bit tough. And I think, I guess that's what happened here because it it looked like manly were going to have a really tough night. Everybody looked out of sorts for that first ten minutes, and then it just clicked instantly and it was the complete opposite the other way. The Cowboys didn't have any answers and yeah, Manly were just red hot. It was unbelievable.
0: Mm. Ruan, question, I guess, without notice is that, you know, someone who's played at the top level, can there be a little bit of a a psychological issue if the the points are coming so quickly at the start, you can maybe switch off a tiny bit and think things are going to be a, a tiny bit too easy?
2: You switch off i think that there can be complacency can set in you can sort of think oh well we can just continue to keep doing what we've been doing and we'll be okay but what you need to actually do is to be able to absorb what the other team throw at you and then counter it with your own move so it's uh yeah there is an opportunity for complacency and especially with how fast the game moves now you know it's almost like rugby sevens, where if you sometimes let the opposition get on a roll, you can't seed back any kind of control, and uh, you know that's that's sort of what we're seeing a little bit there. But I thought it was a great performance, comeback performance from the Seagulls. Daily Cherry Evans to mm. back up Origin the way he did and play the role that he did, especially as a captain for that side, was phenomenal. As was Trebiovic, was was fantastic as well. Yeah. So but it was a whole team if it wasn't just those two but i'm obviously highlighting them because they backed up playing a big game from wednesday
0: i mean jake was fantastic backing up but i think daly needs most of the credit because of just how shattered he would have been on wednesday night so sort of jake's coming in on a high daly's coming in after just being absolutely devastated mm-hmm. by this you know worst you know loss in, in queensland history to sort of you know put the team on his back i think 13 tackle bus he finished up with which is not really what we associate with his his you know play style but he was just Every, everywhere in the middle of the game and and put the team on his back and, you know, turbo's out, we're going to win anyway, come with me, boys, sort of thing. I thought it was just a real captain's knock.
2: Yeah, it certainly was. And the thing is, you know, and I said this on the footy show today, I think when things go wrong, people are, although he's very quick to – Blame Daily Terry Evans, squarely Mm -hmm. at his feet, but when things go right, it's very rare that he gets a lot of the praise. I think he definitely deserves that praise just for those reasons that you extolled, uh, you know, to come off such a big loss and to turn out and put that performance on the park for your side. thats huge. That just shows the mental fortitude of the bloke.
0: And just for Manly overall, I mean, you know, Kenny was sort of joking about the one-man team jokes, but that, you know, if they'd lost this game without Tom, everyone would have been piling in. Yeah. And I mean, for for Ruben Garrick to play as well as he did, you know, Mm -hmm. rank and field try, I think 300 plus metres for him. I thought his positional play was a lot better than he had a couple of chances last year and got caught out um, Mm -hmm. a little bit. They just, they seem to adapt to not having Tom there a lot better than what they did in the first four rounds of the season when they were getting pumped.
2: Yeah, I would agree with you there. And I've always rated Reuben Garrick as a player. I think he's a very good young player. But yeah, the opportunity that he just took with both hands was fantastic. And I think that'll give him a lot of confidence confidence going forward
0: actually spoke to Ruben in the sheds uh, after this one. He said he hadn't really played fullback since about under 13s. He came through playing probably more centre and then moved to the, the wing when he got into the, the first grade side. But he'd worked really hard with Tom and and with the coaches on his positioning, on his, you know, the, the all the, the stuff that people don't see on the TV when you're a fullback, you've got to sort of count defence and organise, um, you know, numbers and, and that sort of thing. So really impressive also, performance from him.
2: Not, not to mention that it's a, it's almost a completely different fitness to play fullback because you are on the run the entire time. It is a huge volume of work to go from a winger to a fullback. So Mm. I would definitely tip my hat for him.
0: Yeah, he's uh, he's done very well. Um, Before we wrap it up, there is one more game left in the round. It takes place on Monday. Have you got any scoops for us on the team sheet? Are we expecting Tarek to come Uh, in from uh, the uh, reserves list or...?
2: Well, he's been named at number twenty and he's not injured and he said he feels great. So it'll be up to Anthony Griffin whether he wants to play him or not. But Tarek's always ready for that. So yeah. I'd love to see him play because it's
0: i just <laughs> sure he'll be desperate to back up um, like he's seen a few of his uh, origin teammates do this weekend, but on the game itself, whether he's in or whether he's out the, uh, the dragons uh, currently clinging to that uh, eighth spot on the ladder, they'll be desperate for a win to keep themselves in that top half of the draw. Whereas the Bulldogs, um, it's been a, a tough old season for them down in 16th. They'll be desperate just for a, a win, just for their own sort of, you know, morale's sake.
2: Yeah, they will be. And, you know, throughout this year you know the dragons have sort of dropped a couple of games where they were expected by all the punters to win so they'll understand that going into this game they can't go there with that complacency like they they know that they'll have to go there and work for this win uh, i've tipped the dragons to come away with it i just Really, you know, Benny Hunt is back playing some good Mm. footy and when he's back playing good footy, takes a little bit more pressure off Corey Norman. You've know, you got Dufty roaming around as well. Obviously, you know, we're still missing Zach Lomax with that injury. But if Tarek comes back in as well and and plays, you know, I think their forward pack uh, will be able to really take it to the Bulldogs pack. And then off that, you'll see Ben Hunt and Corey Norman shine.
0: Absolutely. It's pretty much all we've got time for. Kenny, do we have any um, changes coming up next week you wanted to tell people about or are we keeping that as a... No, no, no. So
1: huge announcements. Uh, Fans of the Sunday session and State of Origin 2, get ready for a massive, uh, massive event because CK and I will be doing an outside broadcast of the Sunday session. We're not quite sure what the format is going to be, but at the NRL uh, travel pregame party for State of Origin 2, up in brisbane you can catch ck and i in person come and throw a tomato at us tell us how much you hate us or you can tell us how much you love us either way come along further details are to come but if you want to know more go to nrl.com slash travel
0: i'm very excited to be heading up to sun could be the first time i've been on a plane since um this whole covid drama hit our uh, hit our little planet um so um yeah, excited to, to get out of Sydney for the first time. Anyway, thank you uh, to everyone for listening. And Ruwan, thank you so much for dialing into the uh, Sunday session. Fantastic yes, having you, you as always.
2: Yeah, thank you to be here. I've had a good time. But also, I just want to quickly um, let everybody know that's watching NRLW announcement this week. It's an expanded competition. There's going to be Mm. six teams, Uh, three new teams. The Warriors are stepping away just for this year, hopefully to join back in 2022. But we've got the Newcastle Knights, the Parramatta Eels, and the Gold Coast Titans will be joining the competition. And now it'll go from seven games to 18 games, so a longer time. Every club will get the opportunity to host a home game, which is fantastic. And it'll start in round 23 of this year and go all the way through to uh, the grand final day. So keep your eyes peeled. I think Mm. there's going to be a lot of great talent on the horizon and exciting expansion times for the women's game.
0: That's absolutely fantastic news. I think everyone's had a a little taste of it and now ready for an expanded competition. I think we've got the players to go up uh, a couple of teams and certainly we needed a few more rounds. So uh, 18 games is absolutely wonderful news.
2: Absolutely. And Women's Origin is coming up 25th of June too. So it's going to be wonderful. It's all happening.
0: It's all Mm. happening. Thank you everyone for joining us. We'll see you next week.
2: See you guys.